All right, this is a little different of an episode. On this episode, we pretty much just go deep onto the story from the field. We broke it up a little bit to make things work out a little better. Hopefully you guys like it. Maybe some of you want a little bit of a shorter episode anyways. If that's something you like, reach out, tell us. We'd be happy to hear. You know, if if people want hour episodes, if people want half hour episodes, tell us. We'll try to make those. And And if you like those shorter episodes, we might still make the long form ones. But we might make some shorter ones also that uh, people that like shorter episodes can get into a little bit. So if you like the shorter format, let us know. Like always, love the interactions. It's great when you share episodes. You know, I love it when I hear from people saying that they heard about your show from a buddy and they really appreciate it. You know, that means uh, that word of mouth is going out and that's, Word of mouth by far is the best advertising. For your tree company, you want to build that word of mouth clientele. That's what people trust the most. It's the same way for podcasts. If you hear about a podcast from your friend, you're more likely to listen to it and give it a shot. So by all means, share this. If you like it, share it. Tell people. You can always do the five-star reviews. Five-star reviews go a long way. It's great to to get those as well. Uh, It helps with the out algorithms and helps people find it apparently to be honest i don't fully understand how all these things work but uh apparently it does so with that gonna take care of some business and we'll get right to it this podcast is for informational purposes only it is not nor is it intended to be a substitute for professional arboriculture advice and should never be relied upon to perform or direct arboricultural work the tree thinking podcast makes no representations as to the accuracy completeness or suitability of any information on this podcast will not be liable for any damages arising from the use of any information in the practice of arboriculture or tree work the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guests and their appearance on the podcast does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent the podcast and its hosts are not to be held responsible for misuse cited and or unsighted copies of the content within this podcast by others the tree thinking podcast may not be reproduced or distributed without the express written consent of the tree thinking podcast when the wind that fueled the holiday farm fire hit eugene it left trees down all over town one of them was a 160 foot pine tree leaning over a six-story building We shut down a block and used two cranes to get that tree down. While the tree came down without a hitch, behind the scenes, tensions were high and egos were challenged. On this episode of the Tree Thinking Podcast, we stretch a story from the field into its own episode as Andrew and Corey tell Jesse the story of the two-crane smoky high-stakes pine removal. All right, so this episode is really kind of a part two of the Holiday Farm Fire, maybe. It's, uh, well, there's a couple things. Part of it is uh, me and Corey and Jesse talked so long the other night that if we released it all as one episode, it would have been by far, you know, like this two and a half hour episode, or it would have been really long, and well, you know, it's a long-form podcast. We don't mind, you know, putting out a two-hour episode every now and then. Or I do try to keep them a little shorter just so, you know, you're not struggling through to get to the end of them. Um, 
And then also the story from the uh, pine removal was, it kind of had a different energy than uh, Jesse telling us his story of the experience of the Holiday Farm fire and how he protected his property and kind of what the community was going through. And then we got to stories from the field and it was, uh, you know, it was a kind of crazy removal. We did the biggest picks I've ever, you know, taken and a lot of a story worth telling. It didn't have that same energy. So I just figured instead of editing a bunch out and trying to fit it all into one, I just take the stories from the field out and we just use it as a whole nother episode. So hopefully, hopefully you guys enjoy us telling the story of the two crane smoky high stakes pine removal. We've, uh, we've teased this story in the past a couple times. Once or twice, maybe. But we always ran out of time before we told the story. But there was a whole nother aspect in, of those winds, and that was the storm damage in Eugene really micro aspect compared to the damage that was going up the river. But we got hit with 70. Well, I don't know if there were 70 mile an hour winds when they hit here. Yeah. The, the stuff I read, it said it peaked at 50, but in I, Eugene, I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, it, I, I wasn't out there with a little wind gauge. So <laughs> yeah, tell you. it could have peaked at 50, but it could have been continuous because yeah. there was a number, you know, I'm working for the city. So what I see is not the things in the backyard anymore as much. Although I I know there was a lot of that going on at the time. Uh, what I was seeing was there was a lot of trees in the street and city trees down. Um, and we were actually working in front of Watson Stadium. Uh, there, There's these raywood ashes there which have horrible root systems. And so, you know, every time there's a storm, one of them blows over into the street. So we were pulling this uh, raywood ash out of the street, and we got a call where one of the contractors had been called up because there was a pine on the building, and it, uh, Jason Stein, and he had to get out of there because his house was being threatened by the Holiday Farm Fire, which actually eventually burnt. And he's got some crazy video also. He had two tree, a little digression real quick, two tree trucks right next to each other. One of them burnt all the way down. One of them was fine. And it, it was the one that had chips in the back of it. And Ember got into the back of it, oh, no way. got those chips going. That truck burnt to the ground. The other truck, is, you know, other than smoke damage, was good to go. Cool. It's just the crazy nature of the fire. But anyways, wow. he had to get out of there and take care of those, fu- those trucks. <clears throat> so he... Uh, gave me a call, said, hey, I got a, a guy all lined up. Apparently, this is on a building. You need a crane to get it off. I got to get out of here. Can you go check it out? So we wrapped up the job. We headed over to this uh, building, and sure enough, there was this big old ponderosa pine. Do you remember what the DBH was? I want to say 50. Uh, I think it was... Yeah, 54, 56, that, somewhere in that there. Was, that was, so we never got an actual, like, DBH because it broke right about four foot level. Right? Yeah, about four feet up, it splintered. So it was full of cubicle butt rot mm-hmm. uh, yeah. at the base. And so that wind hit it, and it just pushed it right over onto the building. And so this tree, like, I was looking closer at the trunk of it. I was shocked that this thing, like, had that much decay in it. Like, underneath the bark plates, like, if, if you could just stand the tree upright again and then just kind of fix some of those bark plate lits there would you wouldn't see anything wrong with it 
like the bark was completely intact. Everything was like all inside. It was, there were no signs that there was anything wrong with this tree. Yeah, it was crazy. Other than, you know, it split in half, but you know. Yeah, well, yeah, when we, there was quite a few signs when it was laying on the building. It was, yeah, just a couple. But it was. hundred, did it, did it, yeah, it. One. Twenty, one thirty. Yeah, I'm thinking about one twenty. We'll say one twenty-five. We'll split the difference. (laughs) But it was a big old tree, and it was leaning on this uh, this five-story building. And so we get the call the first day, and I meet with the crane guy that uh, he had set up, and he didn't have a crane big enough. You know, he the crane would have reached to the top, and so part of it, if we were at Sperry, we would have done it with that one crane. And we would have just climbed it, leaning on the, you know, we would have done our best to tie it to the building the best we could and, you know, all that stuff. But the city is a little different. You know, the city, the safety standards are higher. And he's like, if we get a bigger crane, we could probably just take it in a couple big picks and you can tie into this crane. And then, you know, there's nobody climbing a tree that's failed on a building. Let's back up a little bit. What was, uh, what was that tree hanging over? So it was on the, it was leaning on the building, but what was the top of the tree hanging? Yeah. So right underneath what you know what was hanging over the building was a big air conditioning unit and the person had uh the the building manager told us as we were inspecting the situation that it was just installed and it was a hundred and fifty thousand dollar air conditioning unit on the top of the so you know that was probably part of it is they wanted to you know uh cya yeah CYA. we had to call up this other company there's only two cranes uh that service our area or crane companies that have cranes that big. One of them, it was going to be a few weeks till we he was available. The other one, it was going to be a couple days. So we caution taped off a whole street and road and area. We just shut that whole area down. It was like, no one's going under here until we get the big enough crane to come here and do that. So we hang out there. Uh, we organize everything to get the crane out there. Show up the day of the removal. The two cranes show up. It's always it's kind of crazy setting two giant cranes up to do a tree removal. Um, but so then we we set the we everybody's you know get the cranes in place. We meet up with the crane companies. You know, talk about how we want to do it. We want to pick it. Where you were with me when we were standing in the parking lot below, right? Yep, I was. Everything was you know cordial. Yeah, it was a little. It was a little crazy what we were talking about doing. You know, we're talking about doing a 120-foot tree in two picks. You know, so we're talking about giant freaking loads and some some big crane work. Um, And so we're up on, on the ground, and he's like, okay, you want to, he kind of points out his spot on the tree. If you connect it there and I cut it, then I'll be able to, you know, stand it up and put it in the street. And he's looking at like a third of the, like from where I'm cutting a third of the way up to where the top is. So I'm looking at it like if you cut it right there, it's just going to roll back onto the building. Like it's just going to flip on you, you know? And he's like, ah, no, I think it's pretty good. And I'm like, I don't know. Let's go look at it from the roof. Cause I'd been on the roof the day before. So I, I was like, oh, when we get on the roof, it's going to become really obvious. And you know, they're going to see where all this weight is. We get on the roof and it's me. At, at first, it was me and uh, five crane, like the the guy that owned the company, 
and he came with four different guys to kind of help run the ground and just be available. And just to back up, I wish I would have gone up to the top of the roof with you for this initial thing. Well, everybody was setting up because we're right. getting ready for a big operation. So, you know, I was like, I'll just run up there with him real quick and show him kind of how crazy what they're talking about is. I get up there and they're like, nope, nope, it should work. I'm like, no, that's not going to work. You see, see this $150,000 AC unit that's right under it? If it flips, it's going to land right on that unit. And there's, we can't do that. That's a no-go for, you know. <laughs> and they start posting up on me. And they start, like, trying to, like, tell me how I'm going to cut this tree. And I'm like, no. I was like, he's like, I've been doing it for 30 years. I've been operating a crane. And I've been like, I've been doing crane work for 20 years in trees. And I, I've been rigging trees for 20 years. I tell you, if we tie it there, that whole thing's going to... And then, literally, they start circling me. Like, they're going to bully me. And that's not going to happen. <laughs> like, you know, like, you're not going to convince me to just go make that cut. You know, so I'm like, well, how about this? I was like, well, we'll tie off the main strap there. I was like, can we get another pick to the top of the tree? Because if we put another pick to the top of the tree and I can tighten that up, if it does try to sit back, it'll just catch on that other pick and we can lift it up and put it down. And it became this whole pissing contest because the what the dynamic was, like sitting back. And I was like smiling on the inside, you know, because I'm not going to let these guys, you know, it's like you're not going to make, I'm hiring you. You know, it's just one of those situations. Yeah. They just kept on pushing and I just kept on sitting there and kept on recommending. And they were saying something like what, what they were worried about is if there's two tie in points and the one is up high, then when the load hits the ground and takes the load off the lower one, they'd worried it would break. He said, it's going to break, which is going to create a shock load, which could pull the crane down. Now this is like a giant, this is one step below something that you have to set up with another crane. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was a 240-foot crane. What happened? And this, is, this was the takeaway for me. Is it was the, the owner of the company. You know, who knows how long he'd been doing it. But he was used to being right. And he wasn't used to somebody telling him, no, 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 this is how it's done. You know, because he's owned his own company for 30-some years or whatever. And that now he looks at me, and I came in like, hey, how's it going? And I was doing that on purpose because I could tell that there was really high stress in the situation. So I was trying to lighten the mood. But they look at it as like this happy-go-lucky dude, and, you know, and they're, they were a little bit uptight and were in COVID. So, and being at the city, I have to wear my mask all the time, right? And remember, that's one of those, like, lines. If you're wearing your mask, you're this way. And none of all of them refused to wear a mask. They were like making a point. We're not going to. And so I could tell that there was like this weird energy where they, they were looking at me as one of those mask wearers. Hey man, I have to wear a mask. Like it's, it's the company policy for the company I'm working for. I'm going to get in trouble from my boss. I'm on an extremely high profile. You know what I mean? Like, so there was immediately this like division. And so I recognized pretty quick, okay. I was like, all right, here, let me, uh, I think, because we were, we were uh, 
We weren't on headsets, so I, I didn't hear any of this conversation. We weren't on headsets. How did, because I, I got you up on the roof. You, you, so you had, did I arm, come back down? You guys came back down. We had finished setting everything up. I was down there setting everything up. You guys came back down. You kind of gave me a general rundown of, yeah, of like this craziness where like they were like, at one point when I was up there, when it was just us, like I kind of like, like they were all boxing me in and I was like, well, come look at it from over here. And I was moving just so that they, like their intimidation tactics. I was like, I'm not going to let you guys just surround me and yell at me. And so I walk around over here and I'm like, look at it from over here. And one of their guys, like an old timer, you know, another crane operator like stomps up on me and it like gets within a foot of my face and is like, Oh, I've been doing this. He, this long, he's been doing it that long. You need to listen to us, man. I like, I know what I'm talking about. I you know, like it. It's that simple. Yeah. So, at, at some point I headed down. So, so you came, you came back down, you gave me the rundown and you're like, Hey, can you come up and you want to take a look at this? I and think that's what I was like. I was like, I need to get another opinion knowing that Corey's going to, and I remember like walking up and it's just me and Corey on his way up. I think everybody was waiting up on the roof. I think I just was like, Hey guys, I got to go get one of my buddies. I, you know? And so I came back up with Corey and like, we're walking up the stairs. I was like, you're not even going to believe this dude. Yeah. And he gets up there and he looks at it and he just looks at me like, what are they even talking about? Well, you no, know? cause you didn't give me the rundown. I like, I, so not, not really like you didn't give me the breakdown of what, or I wasn't able to picture it. Okay. So I get up there. I form my own opinion. I'm like, okay, so you're going to tie off or you, you might've told me where they're going to tie off. I think that's what it was. I think we got up there and I was like, if we tie off there, what do you think is going to happen? And I'm like, well, the whole thing's going to tip over under that air conditioning. You need to redirect it up here because I had, so my first crane removal I did, I had a top flip over on me because I didn't tie it up high enough. So I'm like, we'll just tie a, tie a secondary up, up top, you know, another 20 or 30 feet and you'll be okay. And yeah, they didn't like that. Yeah. So they did not like that. Either way, we convince them that we're going to do it the way we're, as I, I think what I said is, so kind of find the compromise the middle ground is like all right i'll face it to get it to stand up uh-huh. i'll tie it where you want it and then i'm going to put another line as a safety line i was like if you're so sure it's going to stand up then that safety line's just going to go slack as it stands up because i'll face it to stand up for you and if it doesn't then i'll have my safety line in there you know and it kind of put them in a position where it's like if you know you're right like you say then all we're doing is putting a little more time for me to rig this extra strap on there you know, and so they, okay, let's go. So we head back down, everybody gets in their thing. And at that point, it was like the most awkward safety briefing I've ever done. Cause I'm sitting here running the crew and we got the crane operators here and like our crew here, which like, I was kind of like, Hey guys, things are a little weird. So if you get a little weird energy, but I didn't give them the full rundown of like how it was. And they were looking at me like, what's going on? Because those like the crane operators were pretty much ignoring me as I was like, hey, guys, all right. So these are the hazards around us. This is what's going on. Anybody th- have this, any questions? He's like, this is how we're going to do it. And he's like, that's right. If that's how you want to do it, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. He was being such a fucking baby. Oh, dude, it was baby. the most awkward situation you could imagine. <laughs> well, and then the other thing that got weird. They set that kid up there. Yeah. So what happened? is they would refuse to go on communication with us because, you know, we all have centers, right? Mm. So we can directly communicate. So, but 
those crane operators refuse. Now, the crane operator on the crane I was tied into, Paul, who was a cool guy. So that's the other thing. Paul was the other crane operator there. And me and him, mm-hmm. you know, I 100% trusted him to the point where I was tied into his crane. I, I was glad Paul was there. That The job, I think it would have gone... It wouldn't. It wouldn't have happened if Paul wasn't there because he was bridging the the gap because he was friends with the uh, crane operators that got negative. Right, but but the fact that he was yeah that he was there and on site. he was on Senna, so yeah. we were able. To, I was able to communicate with him throughout the process. But the other guy refused to be in in the communication loop. What he wanted me to do is he wanted me to communicate with Corey, and then he had a guy on the roof with Corey and a guy on the ground with uh, Sean O'Brien who was on the ground. And so I would communicate with my guys who would communicate with his guys, but then we would communicate with him. It was like the most like ridiculous thing. We tried to give him a Senna headset. We had extra Senna headsets that nobody had used. Yeah. And he didn't go for it. Yeah. Wow. And so we, I go up, I set the lines, we come back down, I do the face cut, in it it's this like giant i'll post some pictures on our instagram mm-hmm. so people can if you want to uh, see pictures from it you'll be able to see the perspective on how big these cuts were even five floors up you know uh, 60 feet up this thing uh where i was making that cut because we pretty much cut it in half hmm. i put the face cut in it and i s- start making the back cut on it and sure fucking enough the whole thing sits back on me and he, because it was tied down low and the way the fulcrum is, there's no way for him to pull hard enough for it to not sit up. But uh, luckily we had that other line in there, which caught it. So he was able to kind of drag it over, you know, enough to unpinch the saw. And then I just, I didn't even try anymore. I just went from the other side. Just straight cut it. And it looked perfect because that top line was, I had it all tightened up. And so it just kind of lifted up and mm-hmm. floated over and went down. It turned out perfect, but then there was this other big branch that we had to remove because it was, you know, probably a 12-inch branch. It was probably bigger than that, probably more like a almost 20. And it went right over that AC unit. I left it there when the top was there just in case anything shook out. I wanted that it to fall onto that branch instead of the AC unit. And, you know, it's like extremely big branch. Um. And so we start cutting that free where I cut that branch off and it's caught up in this other thing that Corey had to cut it free with. Yep. I had to come around with a saw and this, this other guy, he has to be right in there. And like, if you know me and if you know the way I operate a saw, I do not, I don't want to be touched. Nobody. I got it wrong. What it was is when that top was taking off, it was caught oh, up yeah, in that right, branch. Right. We needed to cut some of that free. Yeah. Because if you listen very carefully at the video, you can hear me yelling at the kid to get away from you. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm in here cutting that branch, and this kid is, like, trying to swap my arm. I'm like, get the fuck. No. No. Like, well, I am operating a goddamn saw. Do not. He, no. He kept reaching at you, yeah. and you're cutting. I think your back was to him. Yeah. And he kept on going and trying to grab Corey while he's cutting this. They're underneath this top, you know. And he keeps trying to grab Corey. And I kept on being like, dude, come back here. And he finally ignored me. 
And so I just yell, get the fuck over here right now. And he freezes. He's like a young kid just at it, you know, like first job. <laughs> but it's funny because on the video we have, I think I have it. If, if I do, I'll send it. I can't remember. There's a few videos taken of it. But one of them, everyone's like, oh, it's so smooth. It's working so perfect. But if you listen real quick, you can hear me. Get the fuck over yeah, here. Yeah. So, yeah. You- and that's, that's, it's about a half a block away and six stories down. You yeah. can hear me yelling you at the guy over the crane. Yeah. And so I, I misremembered it. Yeah. You, you did yell. And that's when I, that's when I realized he was so close to me. Cause I, I wasn't, I was yeah. focused on cutting. I was looking at the crane. I wasn't looking at the guy right next to me who I thought, you know, and you know me, Jesse, I'm not the kind of guy that yells at people on the job. No, not at all. Like not in the slightest. Like no. we worked together for years. Did you ever see me yell at anyone? Well, there was that one time at the In and Out at Carl's Jr. Well, they <laughs> fucked up my order. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that wasn't really tree care related, and it was more of a mild screen. Yeah, <laughs> I've only seen you get hot twice in working with you and knowing you, and that was that was one of the times. Like I've I've never seen you. I've actually no, yeah, I've only seen you get that angry twice. When did I get that angry again? Uh, when that. But when that tweaker was advancing on Lacey, you're like, this is my wife. Get the fuck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that got me pretty heated. Yeah. Which. That, yeah, that got me heated for sure. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. I yeah. had to tell them to back up also. <laughs> yeah. Pop, Papa Bear came out. Yeah. But that, you know, you got a tweaker coming at your girl and your kids. Mm-hmm. You got to lay down the law. That's yeah. true. You know, that's just how it goes. No, no yep. bad respect. No. It, yep. <laughs> um. No, but I, yeah. So, so you, you screamed at this kid. That's when I realized he's there. I spin around. I'm like, get the, f-, like, we're both just like fingers in this kid's face. Like, get the fuck away. Don't No, I'm running a sock. Get, get out of here. And that's when he like, you know, backs up. And after that, he was mostly subdued. He was still- no, after that, I th- after that, he, well, one, he went down and got like, uh, got the old timer that got in my face on the roof to start with. Not the, the boss of the company, mm-hmm. but the, the kind of boss's right hand man. And he came up with us because he was, you know, he was not very stoked about getting yelled at. Mm-hmm. Um, but we smoothed it all out because, yeah. you, you know me, I'm not going to yell at someone and just leave it like that. I'm like from that point on, my goal was like, all right, I'm going to make these guys my best friends. Yeah. You know, like I'm not leaving it like this. This is not like the goal is not to yell at someone. And like, you know, the goal is like, hey, he was underneath a 31,000 pound pick. That's how, that's how big it was on the crane. It was a 31,000 pound pick trying to touch a guy running a saw, a big saw, like in this crazy situation. So like, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And he would not listen to me. And he like straight looked at me and ignored me. And so I had to up the level of intensity until he understood, no, this is not the time to fuck around. But that's not like, that's not where I want to go with the job. So after that point, I went on friend mode. I, I had heard him earlier nice. talking about how he's from, you know, went to school in Vanita. And so, and at first he wouldn't even talk to me. I'd talk to him and he'd just like get super nervous and, you know, but I just kept talking to him just like, oh man, I used to live out in Vanita, man. I lived out on Lynette Lane. Where'd you live? You know, and finally he started talking and then, uh, they, they wanted to tie it off in his, uh, the, the next pick we did it in two picks pretty much. So, the next pick, well, it was three picks. We did it, the big pick, the one big branch, and then the rest of the trunk. And they wanted to t- tie it off in a certain way. And so... They were doing a basket. Yeah, they wanted to do a basket tie. Mm-hmm. 
And I didn't recognize how, like, I know what they were talking about, but I didn't recognize what they're calling it at first. Uh, but, and I, like, as soon as they started describing it, I was like, oh, they're, you know, I know exactly what they're trying to do here. But I just pretended I didn't know. I was like, oh, show me, dude. I love learning new things. And so I just, I had them guide me through it like I had never oh done God. it before. And, and this, and, and they loved it. They, you know, they're, they, you know, all, cause all of a sudden they're the teacher, you yeah, know, they're, they yeah. feel like they're in control yeah. and, and Hey, I don't care. You know, I'm not there to try to be on a control trip. I, I was there to make sure that the kid got out from under this dangerous situation. Yeah. If he wants to be in control, dude, I'll give you something to control. T- teach me how to tie a knot. Yeah. I love tying knots. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm, like, I'm, I'm glad you were there because if, if, I had been in charge in that situation. I would have just kicked both of them off the rooftop and that would have been the fucking end of it. Like that would have been like, you are, you have far more patience than I do and you're far better in this situation. <laughs> Cause I would have, I would have lost my shit. Oh, well, they were nice guys though. I mean, th- yeah, they were once, once yeah. I, once I opened them up and once they got past it all and once yeah. they started talking, they were cool guys. Yeah. You know that like we're all hard workers, man. I can talk blue collar. I can, you know, I can do all like, you know, Hey, you can still wear that aluminum hard hat, man. They make me wear this piece of crap. You know what I'm saying? Like classic. You, you yeah. Can, you can talk the talk. Yeah, exactly. That's the verbal judo. Exactly. The verbal judo and put them in a position where they can feel superior, yeah. you know? And by the end of the job, I had one over their whole crew. The old man driving the crane hated me till the moment he left. He refused to talk to me at, unless it was absolutely necessary. He would just straight up ignore me. Yeah. But you know what? I don't care. I didn't smash that $150,000 AC unit, and that was my goal. You know, like, I don't even care that it pinched the saw. It's funny, because I knew the saw was going to pinch. I was even like, hey, Corey, let's bring up both these saws, because I'm probably going to have to get this one unstuck. That's why we had two saws on the roof. But I don't care, because by doing that compromise, he was willing to be cool with me tying that top tie, and I've gotten a million saws stuck. You know, if, like, if all I got to do is cut a saw free... You know, there's, there is zero ego in that situation. I don't care if I get this off stuck on camera in front of everybody, but if it, if me giving that compromise to the crane operator allows me to put the safety line in and have him be okay with that, then I won in my book, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's not about who, who's right. It's about that thing not getting smashed and everybody being safe in the end, you know? And, uh, yeah, there's, there's a cool video. I, I know that Eric was working on editing a video together of that whole process. Right. But there is, there is a, a short little like two minute video, right? Yeah. I, and a half. Yeah. That that's owned by the city. They sent a city crew out to film the whole process. I don't know if we have, are going to be able to get it. Uh, but it's we a, probably can. It's on the city website. So, I mean, if you, I think. Yeah. Well, we'll figure out if we can yeah. put it on our Instagram, we'll put it on our Instagram. If we can, uh, if not, we'll put a bunch of video. There's there's pictures of me hanging on the crane and us on the roof and kind of some pictures to show the size of the wood that we were cutting and whatnot. So, but yeah, that's the that's the story of me getting in a fight with the crane guys. Yep. <laughs> and that was like an epic removal. It was it was, it was crazy. It was two thirty thousand pound picks. And when when they came like, down, like setting them down in the street, so there were big leaf maples across the street, and then there were a the, walnut. Yeah, a walnut. Yep, it was a walnut. And like setting it down, even setting the top down, it just came down and it just sheared off like a bunch of these because it's you know a giant ass top that you're setting down in the middle of the street, and it's just shearing off like scaffold branches off of these two. Well, trees. and it's also because 
Okay, so now that is a negative part of the crane operator being pissed, Mm -hmm. is he didn't give a fuck. No, he didn't. He was just trying to get out of there. And so he just, it was just like, get the fuck out of the way and just dropped it through. You know, I think that was a little passive aggressive. Yeah. Because when I got down there, I was like, you know, if you put the one end down and then you brought it one way and dropped it a little bit and brought it back and dropped it, you know, you probably could have worked it around, maybe broke some smaller branches, but not like the stuff he broke. Yeah, but the the trees were fine. I mean, oh, the real. trees were a hundred percent fine. And real. to be honest, some of those branches needed to go for street clearance reasons, anyways. <laughs> so part of what we do is, you, anytime we work on a tree, we got to get it up to fifteen feet above the street surface to code, cause so ambulances and fire trucks and shit can get through. So you know, like for it to be to code, a couple of the biggest breaks were stuff that probably was going to need to go anyways. So it is what it is, you know. Yep. But uh, still, they were petty dicks, and yeah. we're not going to name any names, but you guys know who you are. Yeah, and yeah, chances are they don't listen to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but, if, but if they are listening, yeah, got some- you know what? If if they are listening, uh, get over yourselves. No, no, yeah, no, uh, get over yourselves. Like- call call me, man. Reach out on Instagram. I'd love to hear your side of the story. A hundred percent, man. I'd love to hear their side of the story. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe check your ego a little bit before you call. No, oh, no, no. I want to hear the ego. I want to hear the whole thing. All right. Yeah. I think it's all going to be ego, but. Yeah. Well, they can uh, re-show you how to do a basket hitch. Oh, yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. Because yeah. you might have forgotten by now. Yeah. I mean, and I'm sure they could teach me a lot of other stuff. It's very tech. I mean, it takes 30 years to learn that. <laughs> yeah. It's a masterful technique and, and when it works. Yeah. It, it is great. But <laughs> it was funny because that those two weeks, because of how smoky it was, there was like a couple big storm jobs. There's a few trees down. We had to take care of those trees. But then we were inside the rest of the time. So I was watching tree stuff webinars yeah. and just getting CUs because while the air the air was so thick. It was thick. There's the story. We've been promising it on a couple episodes. Hopefully it lived up to the hype. Usually the things that you hype up too much don't. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. You know, there is a couple different layers to that story. On the surface, it's this, you know, hey, this is a cool removal. We're taking down this big tree. That's always exciting in its own way. You know, there's a couple other depths to it. Uh, One, there's the safety depth. You know, we could have removed that uh, with just one crane and gotten it on the ground, no problem. I've I've definitely done crazier, sketchier stuff than that. One of the benefits working at the city is they will go out of their way to make everything ultra safe. And that is something I have learned to really appreciate, you know? And so I encourage people, you know, in our industry, people tend to, you know, profit, profit, go charge, charge, charge. But if, which I totally understand why as someone that was in the private industry for 18 years running crews and, you know, answering to that bottom line, I definitely understand that feeling. But there really is something very important to taking a little extra time, spending that extra money, putting it in the bid. You know, if they want to find someone that's going to go crazy, fast, 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 high production real quick, they probably will. But there's something to not being that guy, right? Um, But that's a decision everybody has to make, and I've made that – I've been on both ends of that decision – and I've had the frustration of losing stuff where I was like, fuck, man, I shouldn't have bid that so high. 
we could be making that money right now. Instead, the competitor's making that money. I've also been on the other side of things where I was like, man, what was I thinking? Now I've got to do this sketchy removal or climb this crazy gnarly tree. And that doesn't feel good either. So, you know, it's something we all have to think about. We all kind of weigh it out and, uh, you know, every situation's different. So definitely not criticizing, but just trying to put that out there to think about uh, when you're looking at those kind of crazy situations. The other side of that is kind of balancing egos. You know, that was that was a really intense situation up on top of that roof. There was some guys that were up there trying to force kind of their their way of doing it onto my project. And so when you're dealing with those high stake jobs, you really got to you really got to understand what you're dealing with. You know, and you can't compromise. If you know something, it doesn't matter who's telling you. If someone's trying to tell you that grass isn't green, that that grass is purple, stick to it's green because that's what you know. You know, don't don't let people push you around or bully you into uh, making a mistake. Because in the end, if you make the mistake, saying somebody else told you is a shit excuse. You know, so that's really important. And a key in doing that is really controlling your emotions. You know, when those guys were on the roof yelling at me, it was really tempting to get emotional and really uh, get into it. But because I was able to not let the emotions guide my decision, one, I, I was able to step back, kind of detach myself, look at the situation, and really analyze with a clear head, okay, what needs to be done here? Because that's, that's the first step of a situation like that is analyzing. you got to learn, figure out what you need to do. Once you figure out what you do, you got to make the right choice and you got to have a clear head of, you know, you got, can't be emotional to make that decision. You can't, can't make it me versus them. Even if they're making it a me versus them, you got to understand your goal and that's creating a, a, a successful removal. Um. And then the other thing is you can't hold it against the people on the job. Like I was saying in that story, you got to make friends with them when it's all done. You know, it's, uh, you never know who you're going to come across in the future. You never know who you're going to end up working with again in the future. And so, you know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in taking that time to try to build those relationships. Like I was talking about with the basket hitch, let them teach you how to do something, do something that will Make everybody leave in the best possible way. And, you know, I think those are my final thoughts right there. So with that, I'll say stay safe. And you can never have too many cranes. 